Amen. Amen. <laughs> With our hands we will put our weapons down. Care for the earth, speak a word of peace. With our hands we will wash each other's feet. Break the bread of justice. Share the cup of dreams. And amen again. Well, good morning on this Right 13 Sunday as we mark and celebrate the coming of age of these 13 young people who embark on their journey of adolescence. It is a journey of growing spiritually, physically, emotionally, and discovering more and more of the person God has created each of them to be with all their gifts, skills, talents, unique idiosyncrasies, their weaknesses and challenges alike. And today, as the family of God, we gather to surround them to say yes. Yes to your belovedness. Yes to your goodness. Yes to your wholeness as children of God. You each make us very proud. And this is a momentous occasion for all of you. It is a momentous occasion for all of us, and I think more and more it's important as church and as society to mark thresholds like this, because I, I wonder how many of you might agree with me that there seems to be a shortage these days. There seems to be a shortage of adults. We need to make some more adults, don't we? We need, God needs some more adults, amen? For instance, when I look at our world and when I see public figures who abandon any semblance of constructive dialogue instead to spar with one another on social media, one is led to wonder, where have all the adults gone? When the largest block of voters is so often those who fail to show up at the polls at all, to exercise the right and freedom and responsibility that others fought and bled for them to have, one is led to wonder, where are all the grown-ups? And when the bar has dropped so comically low to the extent that my generation, we notorious millennials, have reduced adulthood to nothing but hashtag adulting, to document the most basic of skills such as doing the laundry or going to the grocery store, one wonders, are there any grown-ups? Well, thanks be to God, when I asked these young people and their parents yesterday, what words do you associate with adulthood, they were able to give a more robust response than hashtag adulting. They named things like commitment, generosity, independence, thoughtfulness, responsibility. And since the Rite 13 ceremony is based on actually the bar mitzvah ceremony, I invoked our rootedness and connectedness to our Jewish brothers and sisters several times during our rehearsal yesterday morning, only to return home to the tragic and uncanny news 
of yet another mass shooting. This time an act of anti-Semitic violence and hatred against the Tree of Life synagogue outside of Pittsburgh against a group that has never been a stranger to acts of terrorism and hatred and violence. Lord, have mercy. And so as we consider the nature of adulthood and responsibility, I was reminded of the words of the great Polish-American rabbi of the last century, Abraham Heschel, who wrote, and I quote, that morally speaking, there is no limit to the concern one must feel for the suffering of human beings, that indifference to evil might be worse than evil itself, and that in a free society, some are guilty, but all are responsible. Moral indifference and reticence to claim responsibility not only for our own flourishing, not only for our own suffering, but responsibility for the flourishing and sometimes suffering of others. That is nothing new. It goes all the way back to Cain's question to God in Genesis. Does anyone remember what Cain said to the Lord? Am I my brother's keeper? Fast forward to today's reading in Mark. The one dubbed blind Bartimaeus, the beggar outside Jericho, cries out to Jesus for mercy and healing. And in what I suppose was their own embarrassment, the crowds passed him by. They attempted to silence him. Perhaps they simply wanted to shield Jesus from another distraction. Maybe, maybe they were embarrassed by this man's audacity to cry out for help. Just maybe they were embarrassed for themselves for living in a society and a system that deemed him a beggar to begin with. Whatever the case, and despite his attempted silencing, the persistent blind beggar Bartimaeus spoke up all the more, shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To which Jesus did as he did again and again in the Gospels, respond to Bartimaeus by bringing him close, by seeing him, by touching him, by instructing the whole crowd to go get Bartimaeus and call him here. Call him here. And at Jesus' gentle word, the whole scene begins to shift. Not only is Bartimaeus' sight ultimately restored, but notice that at Jesus' word, the attitude of the entire crowd changes from one of trying to silence this man to one of eager enthusiasm and encouragement. Bartimaeus, take heart. Get up. Jesus is calling you. And Bartimaeus responds by jumping up, throwing off his cloak and going to Jesus. And when Jesus asks him, what do you want? Bartimaeus answers, teacher, let me see again. And as Jesus restores his vision, he becomes a teacher 
for us all. Through Jesus' compassionate embrace, he gives new sight not only to Bartimaeus, but all who have grace to receive the vision of God's kingdom breaking into time and space. To the many then and now who find it easier and safer to silence the cries of the oppressed, turning away from their pain rather than standing up and speaking out. To them and to us, Jesus demonstrates the courage instead to embrace what is broken. In Bartimaeus, in you, in me, in the whole world. Jesus, yes to Bartimaeus. Jesus, yes to healing. Yes to all who call in his name and faith and courage and truth. Jesus, yes to you and to me is a yes to Cain's question. Am I my brother's keeper? For Jesus, the answer is a resounding yes. For some are guilty, but all are responsible. My friends, true Christian discipleship is neither static nor sheltered. Notice at the end of the story that Bartimaeus goes to follow Jesus towards Jerusalem. The one who is granted healing and sight becomes a witness to Jesus' cross and suffering. The paradox of our faith is that the closer we get to the presence of Jesus and the holiness of God, the closer we are called into the depths of brokenness. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to brokenness. And I never learned this story more literally and concretely than the night that I was baptized. I was a latecomer to the party at baptism. I wasn't baptized till I was about 12. And by that time, I'd established myself in our church as a bona fide church nerd and choir nerd. And so they said, well, Zach, since you're already getting baptized, why don't you also be an acolyte? And why don't you also sing the solo for the song? You see where this is going as a 12-year-old? Well, subconsciously sensing... I think, an, an impending, drastic, we'll call it vocal transition, <laughs> I actually over-practiced. And by the time the service came, I was completely spent. I had no voice left. And so I came to the front of the church, the organist intoned the first chord, I opened my mouth, and nothing came out. This went on for three verses, me standing up here, <laughs> desperate and hopeless. And so after three verses, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I mustered up the courage. I took a deep breath. I tapped into my once first soprano voice, now turned second bass. <laughs> and out came the most obnoxious, <laughs> abrasive jackhammer of a sound you have ever heard. It was traumatic, both for me and for the congregation. <laughs> well, I made it eventually that day to the waters of baptism 
and lived to tell the story and eventually went on to study music in college. You know, though surely it would have been easier and less painful for all of us if I had stayed silent that night. If I was never slated to sing the solo to begin with. But my friends, sometimes something has to break in order for a new life to emerge. A broken voice, broken silence, sometimes a broken heart, broken bread, broken body. This is the church's story. It is the story of a God who invites us to join in bringing beauty out of brokenness and hope out of despair. The story about a kingdom of peace and justice breaking into time and space. It is a story that invites us to let go of childish ways without abandoning childlike wonder and the imagination that it takes to see the world as it is and dream the world that could be. It is a story that invites us all to continually grow up into the stature of Christ, the one who came to serve, who came to care, who came to heal, the guiltless one who hung upon that tree to save sinners and show the power of God's redeeming love. Some are guilty, but all are responsible. I wonder where in your life God is calling you this day to claim responsibility and wield your power, your wealth, your gifts, not only for your own flourishing, but for the flourishing of the world. How are you being called to shed your metaphorical cloak, your security blanket, whatever it may be for you, and to grow in your faith? And what will we do as a church with the story we have been entrusted with? My friends, this very hour, our kindred siblings across this earth join together with creation itself to cry out for mercy on the brokenness of our neighborhoods, our city, our planet. Will we be among those who simply pass by, opting for silence, oversight, asking, am I my brother's keeper, saying, not my problem, someone else will deal? Or will we have the faith to get close, to reach out, to grow up? Y'all, we need some adults. We need some adults. And I know it's a process. Being 13 is not easy. Being 93 is not easy. Growing up is hard. Adulting is hard. But God knows we need some adults who will choose to walk this way. So may we walk this way together, joining hand in hand, trusting in the one who walks with us all the way. Amen.